Ooh-ha-ha. Welcome to a bonus edition of Soundcheck Flicks. What the hell? No comments from the peanut gallery, assholes. That was my best Sven I don't know. They didn't like that one. Anyway, it's almost Halloween. Bonus episode. We got our man Jacob Turnbloom back. Very excited about that. Mrs. Magician has big things planned for 2024. You think that's when the album will come out? Yeah. Yes. On Swami Records. Pick it up. Ask for it by name. Vinyl only. Will it come out on other formats? Probably just vinyl. Yeah. The other ones came out on CD, but I, yeah, I don't know. No. Graham, it's so good to see you. Man, I can see so much of your legs. Can we get you to stand up and model in front of the camera? No, but if you see it on the video eventually, you could see me in my Camp Arawak outfit. Do you have- I have my short shorts pulled all the way up. Uh-huh. I've got my Adidas. I've got my three-stripe socks. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> I'm telling good. you, these outfits in Sleepaway Camp, Wet Hot American Summer was a big hit on the comedy side of things. And if you listen to any interviews with those people that were in that, they talk about Sleepaway Camp. They talk about how that movie directly influenced their fashion in that film. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. When did you first see Sleepaway Camp? It's not like, well, you would have been a kid in the 80s. I know I didn't see it back then. No, I saw it in 2006. I, I got a Fright Pack, which had like... It's meant to look like a six-pack of beer, but it's DVDs. It was like Elvira, Attack of the Killer, Killer Tomatoes, Vamp, Transylvania, 65,000, whatever it's called, and then Sleepaway Camp and another movie. But, uh, yeah, I saw it in 2006. I fell in love with it. I haven't watched it in a long time, but it definitely sticks out as uh, something different from that era that was, a li- you know, it was a slasher you know, Friday the 13th ripoff, but it had a little something extra. Absolutely. (laughs) So much extra. A little something extra. (laughs) Yeah. I don't even think they knew what they had. Like, it's funny that, uh, you know, Robert Hiltzik, the guy that wrote and directed this, this was his baby. And he was like a NYU film guy. And in his mind, you know, he's a young guy. He's thinking, you know, Halloween and these movies have started happening Friday the 13th and they, they're made on minimal budgets and they make a ton of money. So that's basically what he's doing. He's going to cash in. And this story is pretty crazy. Like his mom dies in an accident and he gets like a $300,000 settlement and he bets on himself. I mean, you got to love that aspect of it. Like not that his mom died, but right. he gets this windfall and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a summer camp slasher flick for mom. And that's basically what he did. And you see the dedication at the beginning of the film where it says like for mom, a A real doer. doer. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what does that mean? (laughs) The first time I saw it, that I was dying by that. I mean, the opening inscription had me laughing. The opening too is like, you're like, this is kind of a progressive movie for the time period. It's like, Uh, it's like a, 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 like a gay couple mm-hmm. in the very beginning of the film. Yep. And it's not like, in a it's not set up in a way where anybody's like, like it's a joke. It's like, you know, this is a couple in like, uh, is what, 1980? Yep. What, Two. What, yeah. So it just seemed yeah. kind of a, ahead of the curve a little bit there. Way. It wasn't as obvious to me until later in the film, but I was, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't come across as being gay really it's or, i mean i just couldn't figure out a couple guys at the lake i mean i don't but I much never later, forget that shot very where he's like, john <laughs> and he dies in the beginning i'm you like see oh the body go floating yeah. by yeah it's well that's one of the reasons that makes sleepaway camp so amazing is that the, it's supposed to just be this friday the 13th throwaway trash flick but it is so much more dense than that there is so much going on and uh, and you have it's the most shockingly cruel camp. These kids get their self-esteem just crushed yeah. in this camp Meg. throughout the movie. Everybody's insulting everybody. Everybody's flipping each other off and saying, fuck you all the time. Like, they're hostile to each other. I mean, and yet it has all this other, like like you just said, this shockingly progressive stuff going on where you have this gay couple uh, who it's just uh, John and Lenny who are just treated like it is today. Like, this is 82. Yeah. Like, this is shockingly way ahead of the curve. And it's not treated for laughs at all. Even the scene later on in the film, when you see the two little kids in the flashback, Angela and Peter, and they're seeing their dads being intimate together, they would do that if it was a man and a woman. Like, any two little kids looking at someone in bed are going to point and laugh. Yeah. So even then, when it's little kids laughing, it's... It's really actually treated very well, like the way they do it and the way it's shot. It's not treated. Yeah, it's not about it's not about that it's two men. It's just about two kids caught 
you know, their yeah. parents getting it on. Yeah. So essentially what happens is you have this couple at the beginning at the lake, this male couple, and they have Peter and Angela, his two, six, six years old, seven year old at the most. And they're boating. And there's across the water, there's the camp there, Camp Arawak. And these kids are boating and water skiing. And of course, they're being irresponsible. And they end up, uh, they end up killing John in an accident and, uh, and Angela. And so there's just little Peter left. And, you know, um, so we have an orphan kid and, and this never really explained what happens to Lanny. He just kind of goes off. Like that, that scene when the, when the boat hits them is also very, it's funny. Like yeah. how it happens. He's like, turn it, turn the wheel. It's yeah. like the way that they're and the acting girl's is screaming forever. The water skier. Yes. It's so funny. Oh my God. Help them. <laughs> Somebody help them. Oh my God. Yeah. It's pretty terrific stuff. Yeah. So we smash cut out of that to eight years later and it's Ricky and Angela uh, are getting ready to go to camp and uh, Ricky is the cousin and Aunt Martha is the brother or the sister of John, the guy that was killed. So that child goes to his sister now. And so she's going to raise him. And uh, so we see Ricky and Angela get to go to summer camp and we meet Aunt Martha. The houndstooth uh, outfit, right? She's got like a hot pink holy shit aunt martha spooky i my god she's in my horror hall of fame oh she's like, terrifying yeah she is absolutely wild uh desiree gould was the actress they brought in they now this whole cast is a lot of new york city actors mm -hmm. that they because they shot it near the catskills uh glenn falls i believe is where it was uh in new york and so they all the kids it's a mostly kid per cast right but all of these people most of them were from new york city from various acting troops and whatnot so she was acting somewhere, but she was very campy. I mean, pun intended. And as soon as you see her come on screen, it's just wild. I mean, she's got the finger thing. She's got the string attached to her finger. Yeah, and to she's, remember. And yeah, and she's running around talking all crazy. And like she hands him the physicals and says, don't tell him where you got him. You know, because she is a doctor. Yeah. Now this is a bit crazy. She for a lunatic. But she you're is a wondering doctor. as the viewer, what, what, well, why, oh why don't God. they go to the doctor to get their physicals? Or yeah, what, what well, and also I'm just wondering what the fuck is going on. This lady is insane. Like <clears throat> every time she speaks a sentence, it's just wild. Mm. And she's sending them off to camp, and it's the creepiest send off to camp you've ever seen. And so the kids head off to Camp Arawak, and they get there, and immediately it's just. Lord of the Flies and kids yeah. running everywhere. And we're starting to meet the people who run the camp. And uh, we get the creepy pedophile crew from the kitchen. Well, it's not all of them. It's just Artie, the, uh, the cook. Yes. The cook, yeah. And he, I, it's the grossest moment in the movie. I mean, it is. It he's is talking about the, Yeah, he's talking about the baldies as they're running <laughs> in. And you're just, that line itself is just cringy. Oh yeah. As he's pulling things out of his mouth yeah. and stuff. It's oh, it's just so gross. What's really funny? He gets his due. He does. He does get his due. He's first to go actually. And what's really funny is in the uh, the making of documentary, they talk about how sweet that guy was. His name was Owen Hughes and and uh, they talk about how on set he was just this book reading, really smart guy and was nothing like his character. Wow. Good. Yeah, but he he did a good Very performance. Very believable. He yeah. was creepy as fuck. You have to hate him. So um, it kind of so yeah, had like a Carrie vibe with like how how cruel everybody was, just like unrelenting. Yes. Like, uh, yeah, because when you arrive at Camp Airwack, this is where the game is on. I mean, Ricky's come to this camp for a few years, so he knows these people. But this is Angela's first time there, so she's been hidden away for eight years since her accident. So. And she's a mute. Yes. basically and she's back at the lake that's how traumatic is this i didn't realize it's the same lake it's the same lake wow. her mom sent her to or her not her mom aunt martha right sent her to camp at the same lake where her father died how insane is that well she's pretty insane as we come <laughs> to find out so because she let's let's be straight about this angela the normal narrative around this is that angela is the main bad guy a lot of she is the killer the soul killer and it all revolves around her really the main bad guy of this film is aunt martha sure she's the one that sets everything Tormented in motion and, yeah. with her actions but it's still it's still the whole movie's like set up like a whodunit right so Absolutely. it's like you don't you're, you're you kind of feel like it's angela but you're you're, you're guessing, not sure yeah. it could be ricky it could be paul yeah. you're, you're not sure and you see all three of those characters from point of view at one point or another yeah. so that's one of the clever things about the movie and you know you have the real life thing that factors into the film where Felissa Rose's mother never wanted her to be seen on screen killing someone. 
So because of that, we get the whodunit thing because every killing is just done by a set of hands. So that wasn't intentional. Like they they wanted to have her kill people yes. on screen, but yep. the her oh that's I didn't know that. Yeah, and so that actually is what that adds the whodunit to it. Because if you just seen Angela killing from the beginning, there'd just be no guess. You'd it would just, just be, be like, part two and three, yeah, which is Jason. just, It'd just yeah. be a slasher film. Terrible. But I think the thing that makes it so much more fun is you don't know who it is. Even to the point that halfway through the film, the, for the POV is creeping up on Angela and the hand reaches out to her back. Oh. And it turns out to be Paul. Right, right, right. But you're just like, you know, they're playing like that. The, you know, from a direction standpoint, they're playing right. a whodunit with it. And that makes the movie that much better. That Felissa Rose's mom didn't want her to be seen on camera killing anyone. That made the film better because it turned it into a whodunit. Sure. And we'll get into the two killer theory here in a little bit because, you know, generally we're going to ruin the shit out of this movie. But please watch <laughs> Sleepaway Camp. Like it's it, it also it has one of the best like horror trailers that I've I've seen from the 80s. That, like it still gives me goosebumps when they just talk like the voice that they have. It's kind of like a John Larroquette deep voice talking about sleepaway camp right and then uh the letter that the kid writes to their right parents and mom reason, i've been here oh, three weeks and now i'm very scared it's so, it's so good yeah it's it's really campy again but yeah i just love how they get there and they turn they get there and everything turns into a shit show and it's it, okay let's get into the angela thing is is Angela killing everyone to you? Let's just do this. Are you? Do you accept that Angela is the sole killer? That's kind of the theory of the whole thing. I think so, but I like. I think I remember you saying that you feel like it's all. It's both of them yes. doing it together, and I, I think that that makes more sense. But yes. I think that they. I think that that's just a fan theory. Sure. I think it's intended to be Angela, but that's a much more interesting, and yeah. that makes more sense. Right. But he had to have known Angela. Thank you. She's a, she's a little off. Thank you. So it, so the whole, you know, reveal of this film is very crying game. And it's that you, we get to the end of the film and all these kids have been, people have been killed. And at the end of the film, we come to find out that Angela, who's been living as a girl, is really Peter. And Peter had survived the accident. And when he came home, Aunt Martha and her truly nuttiness already had a boy. Can't have so two boys. This will not do. Yep. So makes her become, makes him become a girl. And so it's a forced trans, you know, issue. Now we get to the camp and that's why Aunt Martha is ultimately the main bad guy. Cause she's the one that, and plus she's just a nutball. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I mean, let's get real, but that's now, then we, then it gets complicated cause we get to the camp and that was the first question I had the next morning after I woke up, you know, after I saw the movie for the first time was, did Ricky know? That was the thing that right. couldn't get out of my head. Like, how and could he not? How could he not? And when you see it a second time, she, when she says the whole thing about your physicals, she says, don't tell him how you got them. And he says, I'll never tell. There's no way Ricky doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. There's absolutely no way. And plus, he's so fiercely loyal to her. Oh, for sure. Like, he, he is one of the great trans allies of film history, probably. And especially at the beginning. I mean, because... Now, this wasn't an era when the trans killer thing was a thing. And it's, sure. you know, it's not cool, but it was just of its time. Ch Terror Train had done it. and Dressed to of, kill. Science of the Lambs, dressed to kill. And yeah. Could, you know, there'd be people that would do it over the next decade. But the reveal, though, when they when they tell you what's going on, it, I don't even know if it's the fact that you find out that she's really a boy. It's just the reveal is so terrifying in her face. Like, right. it's like, that's the shock. Like, and then the head rolling away. So she, do you want to? Yeah, let's do it. Well, she kills her boyfriend in the movie. Her would-be boyfriend. Cuts his head off. Yep. And that just reveal of his head rolling away and she stands up and she's kind of like in a defense stance. And she's in blood. growling and just a look on her face. Like, and they end the movie with this shot of her face that is like chilling yes. and, the, and the, the, it's the horns the music that they have it's one of like that's what sold me on the movie was the reveal i still get goosebumps thinking about it it's scary as hell it almost seems more demonic that something else is going on oh, at yeah. the end yeah it's not just the fact that she's been forced to be especially uh, he's that, been forced to be a girl but something growl, else yeah it yeah. makes you think that something else is definitely going on and she's discovered by the right two counselors yeah. ronnie and susie because they're the by far the nicest. the nicest people in the whole movie. Yeah. So, you know, I don't envision that she killed them or anything. I 
she probably went quietly into custody and unless you follow the other sleepaway camp movies but uh does she return she does for two and three. Oh, she's a she counselor. Does. she's a counselor right she's a yeah um now the the you do like the sequels or at least I, the second one i don't really like the sequels um i think they're pretty bad but yeah. i i I was just telling you before the podcast that there's some scenes in those that do scare me. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's, that's what I like about it is that, you know, even though I don't like the film, there's some spots that actually right. still creep me how out. How does she return to the camp? Isn't she in a mental ward or how well, she does... escapes? Oh, okay. And she looks totally different. Yeah. Oh. She now here's the deal. So it's played by Pamela Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen's sister. Oh. She plays Angela in two and three oh. and it's a different Angela. Sure. Like, so the, one of the things that a lot of people, especially, you know, I've heard LGBTQ kids talk about is that watching Sleepaway Camp is that they, the bullying aspect of it, that they've been bullied and they know how that feels. And when they watch that movie, you know, they see that bullying, but they also see her striking back and killing everyone who does her wrong. <laughs> so if you're like, you know, a kid that grew up being bullied, this it's movie is like cathartic in a way. Yeah, yeah. it is. Because because every kid that is shitty to Angela in this movie gets it. Do the kids throwing sand really deserve to be murdered in their sleeping bags, <laughs> hacked to bits? There's like four of them, right? Four young boys. They four little seven-year-olds hacked to bits at the end. Yeah, because they toss sand at, at her. Cause yeah. At the bricky end her. Yeah, so there's a scene towards the end where Meg, M-E-G, she throws Angela into the water, and Angela's deathly afraid of swimming, of course, because it's a lake where her father was killed, and she's never been back in the water. So... Meg throws her in there and then they get out and Ricky's leading her to shore. And there's a great scene where they sit down together and he says, we'll get them. We'll get them. <laughs> this feeds into my two yeah, killer theory. Yeah, that's thing. true. And uh, maybe he killed those kids. <laughs> well, so let's, so let's break down the kills. Cause let's go into the two killer theory thing here that I have. I do believe that Ricky is involved with her. And here's, here's my reasonings. So they show up to the camp. Ricky knows this camp. He knows all these people. He's the one that has the issues with these people. So the very first person that's killed is the pedophile who slammed him against the wall numerous times while he saved Angela from being molested in the food locker. So when the pedophile gets a, a giant pot of water dumped on him, they had to build that pot for the scene, by the way, because there's no pot actually made that way. <laughs> that thing's like five feet tall. Yeah, they're dumping I thought they corn. were making soup for yeah, everybody. Yeah, they yeah. corn in it and shit. That, that pot falls on the pedophile, and he's scarred horribly. Now, we assume he died. You have to assume he died, because if you don't, he knew who did it. He saw the kid. Sure, sure. So he knows if it's Peter or Angela. They make a comment about his eyes. And the way, well, he says, hey, kid. Now, if that was a little girl, you would probably go, hey, little girl, don't do that. But if it's a boy, you're saying, hey, kid. That's true. I didn't and, think about that. And the fact that Felissa Rose wasn't allowed to be seen on screen killing anyone meant that they used Jonathan Tiersten's hands, which means it's Ricky's hands doing all of the killing in the movie, which lends itself to the Ricky theory. Now. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I'm CSI in this shit. We're going, we're going deep. So the second one is um, Kenny, the kid in the canoe, that he drowns and late at night. And that doesn't make any sense that Angela would swim up on the canoe and drown him underneath the canoe because she's afraid of the water. Mm -hmm. It does has nothing to do with the kids are going to find out she's a, you know, a boy, right, really. Right. It's the fact that she doesn't like swimming because she's terrified yeah. of this lake. She wouldn't have swam out there to kill him, but Ricky would. And when the guy's reaction, Kenny's reaction to Ricky, oh, it's you. And they had just kicked their ass in softball. Yeah. An epic softball yeah. game, by the way. An epic softball game where these are 14-year-olds playing 17-year-old high schoolers. And it is the most mad shit-talking game of softball you've, like, this side of Bull Durham. Like, it, and, you know, baseball, but yeah, you get it. Eat shit and live, Bill. No, I love that line. <laughs> <laughs> That's the well, that the quarter shirt, not the half shirt. Gino, the quarter, has the quarter shirt. shirt. Just, just like below your nips. Yeah. Like, what the hell, dude? What Gino, is that? Gino, this guy blows dead dogs. <sighs> like they're just talking the most massive shit to each other during this softball game, and the fourteen-year-olds are whipping the seventeen-year-olds. They won the game. 
I mean, so I seem to remember we talked like that back then. A little they bit. did, <laughs> and it's so funny to me that people talk about they didn't like the softball scene that it slows down the movie, and I'm like, a that's summer camp, and b it's hilarious that these younger guys are just rolling these high school guys, and that leads to the tension between them. So when he swims up on Kenny underneath that boat, and he's like, "Hey, it's you. What are you doing here?" He wouldn't have reacted that way to Angela. He would have been like, "Whatever." Like, so it's not Angela. That's Ricky. So then we get the third one, which is the beehive one, the beehive kill. This one, I actually think they both did because the, the, uh, he goes into the shitter. Now, to get access to the shitter through the male dorm, the little cabin, you'd have to be a man walking through there. Angela wouldn't have been able to walk through there and put that broom through the doors. Ricky did it because Ricky could do it. He could walk through the room. Angela cuts the, cuts the, the screen and drops the beehive into the shitter. So you think that maybe he's kind of warming her up and kind of showing her yes. how to do it, and then she yes. eventually kind of because takes over. No, she hasn't been aggrieved yet. She hasn't had anybody really do horrible shit to her yet for the first few days. But Ricky gets into shit with everybody. everybody. And we all know Ricky's on DEFCON 1 the whole movie. Like, Riffy's like, I'm going to kick your fucking ass. Yeah. He's so badass. <laughs> oh, my God. He's screaming at everybody. He's on a bloodlust from this. So from the beginning, he's cooking but I don't think she's been affronted by anybody tell him because that's the guy that hit her with the water balloons. Mm. So that's the moment where she jumps in with Ricky and I think they tag team that kill. And then at that point they go on their own and the knife. So that, you think she killed Meg in the shower or not yes. Meg, but uh, was it Meg in the, it was yeah. Meg in the shower? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I do think she killed Meg. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now the knife that they're using to kill everybody with, or that's assisting in the murders, that's Mozart's knife from that he pulls out yeah. on Ricky when they play the Ricky prank on him. Only Ricky would have known that knife. So Ricky had to have at least given it to Angela if he didn't use it on his own. Therein the tag team. Therein lies the evidence oh, of the very, tag team. Very, very good points I've yes. never thought about before. So, so we get to the last part of the movie where all the kills happen kind of all on top of each other. There's no way one of them could have just did all of those. So you kind of have to break those up. So I think it's Judy. That's clearly Ricky in a wig in the doorway. I mean, it. it oh it, yeah, when they the silhouette shot. Yeah, I always thought that too. Yeah, it's clearly Ricky in a wig, and that's once again because Felissa Rose's mom didn't want her to be seen doing that. Mm -hmm. They shot it that way, but in the new Blu-ray, I mean, it's just clearly Jonathan Tiersten in a wig. Yeah. Like you could straight up see him. Yeah. So Ricky, and why not? Ricky's raised by Aunt Martha. She's got that crazy screwy gene in her head. He probably does too. Like, so I believe he kills Judy with the curling iron in the most savage way possible. Uh -huh. I mean, you could all imagine where you could stick a curling iron that would be life killing as yeah. he smothers her, by the way, in the butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, it, what? it's in as bad butt. as you think. And what's really funny about that is Judy is a truly horrible person. She's the tormentor of, yes. of Angela throughout She's all of the this. Heather. That was supposed to be Jane Krakowski from 30 Rock. Huh. That was huh. that was Jenna. Yeah. Jenna Maroney from vacation. Yep. She did vacation instead of this. I, I got to get that Blu-ray. I have like a really bad DVD version of Sleepaway Camp and you seem to have all the goods. Oh, the Blu-ray is <laughs> terrific. There's a great documentary on there with all of them. It's from like eight years ago or something. But yeah. It's got Jonathan Tiersen and Felicia Rhodes and Ronnie and it's just got everybody on they there. They made a new one, right? With Felicia Rose. They in did. I haven't seen it. Oh, uh, Return to Sleepaway Camp is what I think it was called in 2008 or something. But mm. I couldn't find it on my apps anywhere. So... So Ricky and Angela lived together with Aunt Martha for how long before? Eight the, years. So eight years. Yeah, yeah, he had to have known. There's no way he didn't know. I mean, they took baths together. Come he, on. Well, there's just no way he didn't stumble into a room at some point right. or something. Like, come on, man. And he's so fiercely allied to her. I just feel like he's just, he knows and he's going to defend her no matter what. Like, so we get, let's see, we got the later killings. There's uh, the kids. I believe that's definitely Angela. Uh, I think that happens. It's that happens at the same time that the Meg killing happens and the Judy killing happens. So I think they're both on a hot streak this night. Mm -hmm. You know, a bunch mm -hmm. of the kids have left the camp at this point. Meg, uh, Meg uh, Mel, Poor Mel says a few times throughout the movie. Yeah, he just uh, <laughs> he had just. This is really funny. Uh, Mel, Mike Killeen. This was his last movie, yeah, final film, and he died a few months before the film was actually released. And he plays Mel, the camp owner, and he's he's got the Kavorka. Oh, like, yeah. He's got the riz, like, because Meg is all on his nuts. And, like, 
she's like 18 and he's like 60 yeah. something yeah. right this isn't daddy love this is grandpa love yeah he's got his arnold palmer golf outfits on all the time and yeah. like she's just into him but like they're supposed to have a date that night creepiness there's yeah. once again the weird angles but and it's one of the more confounding things about the movie that you just laugh at. You're like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? Yeah. Like, he has a great, like, Marlon Brando type. Like, uh, exactly. when he finds Meg dead, he's just like, I had him, I had him, and I let him go. <laughs> he's really selling and it. And he thinks it's Ricky, which, in my opinion, he's right. He yeah. is Ricky. But yeah, he's supposed to have a date with Meg, and he discovers Meg's body. And, uh, uh, played by Catherine Cammy, and she was the one person that also had some uh, experience. She was on All My Children at the time. Okay. And so she was the one kid actress that kind of had a pedigree. And uh, Felicia Rhodes talks about it. Rose talks about it on the uh, documentary that she was really excited that you know that actress was coming in because she watched that show. Huh. And they became best of buddies. That's what's really funny is that as cruel as Judy and Meg are all through this film to Angela, and they're absolutely awful people, off the set, these kids love each other. Yeah. Like, Felissa Rose talks in the documentary about how much they got along and how much fun it was, and it was one of the best times of her life. And that's one more thing that just makes me love this movie, is that on the surface, it's just this cruelest summer camp ever, and everybody that gets what they get deserved it. Sure. And yet, underneath it, the behind the scenes, these kids loved each other. Like, they just really thought it was the time of their lives. They just get, they still get together. I'm sure they get together at all these conventions and yeah, everything. Isn't there now. something coming up soon? I'm sure there is. So that's <clears> what, <throat> that's kind of where you got in on it was the early 2000s rebirth of it. I, yeah, I found it on that little fright pack. And then I heard uh, that band CKY, the singer, would talk about the movie. Yeah. And then I didn't realize he ended up marrying Felissa Rose, the singer of CKY. <laughs> nice. That's also kind of how I heard about the movie. But I ended up, I, I showed everybody that in that I played music with, like a, when we were going tour, I'm like, you have to watch this movie, and I'd make them watch the ending scene. I was like, it's just such a like a jarring like you know, it's it's the best like reveal. I think it's just so terrifying when you watch it, um, and it has nothing to do with the fact that she's revealing that she's actually a boy. It's just yeah, like I said before, it's just a great like build up and the music is perfect the way they fade out with that yep. music and like her face kind of fades into that green and it, the credits roll it's and it's they terrifying. hold it all the way through they, the credits it's, dude, it's a terrifying shot plus 10 seconds mm -hmm. after the credits are done it it's really still is still there that frozen face it still gives me the creeps i showed my uh my wife thinking that she would think it sucks i'm like you think this is scary and she's like dude it's yeah it's just, I mean, like, yeah. even though it's a cheesy 80s movie and, like, there's so much more shit out there that's, like, scary, it, for some reason, works so well. Yeah. I, one of our guys at Soda Bar, Tim, he was genuinely scared by this film as a kid. I was honestly never scared by it. I laugh my ass off from start to finish. Oh, it's funny, dude. It's, I think it is hilarious. It's like meatballs. It's like, it's like a horrifying meatballs. Because yeah. Mel reminds me of, was it Marty, you said? Who was the... Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, and uh, Maury or whatever his name was in oh, the Meatballs, yeah. yeah. But um, I think what makes that ending so creepy too is the way that, and how she looks so demonic is the they superimpose her face on, on, on a, mask. Over a, man, yeah. a, a young man's body or whatever. Right. And, they did a mask and they put it. They found a young art student or a guy from a college. She was maybe nineteen or whatever. Full but, frontal pee pee. Yeah. Like male pee pee. He was really nervous about doing the scene. He was drinking. It was cold. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, if you just... notice, that's not summer. Like those trees have color to them, sure. especially during the opening shots of the film. They filmed it after the summer session, and it was September, October, up near the Catskills. It's fucking cold, man. So all those <laughs> scenes where the kids are in the water and swimming around, and the new, oh, you know, the uh, skinny dipping scene with all those guys running down the dock. It's it's freezing. Cold. <laughs> I always hear that about like a Friday the Thirteenth movies. Like they film like a lot of them were filmed like in the winter. Yeah. Like there's a uh, not to stray from it, but like Friday the Thirteenth, I think part. Five with the one with Crispin Glover. Yeah, uh, the knife scene in like where he, like Jason stabs that girl straight through like her um, torso. It's like she got hypothermia like yeah. filming that scene. It's just yeah. crazy. It's con and it's also confounding because this film, it's you know it's made in eighty two. It comes out in eighty three, and that's typically going to be breasts. We're still in the jiggly era of yeah. cinema. Like even Sixteen Candles had you know breasts. Sure, there is not a single. There, in this movie there's, there's, wiener. Not, there's not there's one more wiener. there's one there's dick bulges. and a bunch of male asses yep. yeah. like it it my i watched it with my brother and his partner over uh this last christmas i showed it to them for the first time and we get to the softball scene and i'm 
I've never thought of this movie as a homoerotic movie or anything like that. And my brother and his partner are sitting there. My brother looks over at me during that scene and he goes, you know, this movie's really gay, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, and I, I just, I, it didn't occur to me. It's and up it, there with like Nightmare on Elm Street too. It's like, yeah, it's very, very it there. It took my brother saying it to me with his partner sitting there and to go, oh, wait a minute. It totally is. That's yeah, like, like the volleyball scene in Top Gun a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> And all the fashion, the guys are the ones wearing the short shirts where their balls are about to fall out and, and they're all wearing cut off shirts. And like the girls are almost never wearing anything sexy. Like Except the shower scene. But again, she's covered. Yeah. 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 She actually had a little thing on uh, Meg, M-E-G. She's such a great villain. As much as I hate Meg. Oh, she, she's awful, man. She, she's so awful. But she cracks me up and her, her unnatural love for Mel is just. Weird. I I didn't really understand why she killed the well I guess maybe like the boy that she what's his name the her Paul? maybe he freaked out or something and that's why well, she killed yeah. him but never understood that that kill well because by that point the bloodlust is on she's already hatcheted the kids she's already killed Meg like she's, she's got a feel for maybe it he made now. a move maybe that's what leads to the craziness at the end of the film with the scream and because you've been forced into this identity for yeah. years and now you. This is the first person that's shown you any kind of affection in your life. And they don't know that I'm actually, you know, a male, but that could lead to the just lashing out. Yeah. Or bi like biologically, like, uh, you know, but she is a female. Right. But like, yeah, it's like she hasn't come to terms with it herself yet. And she's kind of forced into that situation where she's in a sexual you know, it's just that, right. that's what I always thought. Maybe like it was she just w wanted to wanted to have, you know, maybe not have sex, but wanted to have like a romantic moment and wasn't like mentally prepared because right. she had just literally killed a bunch of people. <laughs> right. But, you know, just that tied in with it. Just like, you know, and wrong, all that wrong. torment from Aunt Martha. Oh, yeah. Pent up. Aunt Martha. Terrifying. Just a great villain. I just great love it. And two scenes. Yeah. Only two scenes. And just makes it just such an impression on you. That I mean, build up too, when she's giving this speech and they, it's a flashback and they have the reverb on. So you, it's kind of foggy, kind of, you feel like a little, like, uh, it's already spooky. And then you hear like the music kind of crescendo. Right. And it just, and it's she's, a great build up to that here, ending scene. Here's a fun little nugget. She's sitting there talking to Maximo Sorrentino. The situation's little brother from, what? from Jersey Shore. <laughs> no. Yes, true fact. That is uh, the situation's older brother, Maximo, playing Peter. Wow. Yeah, Angela. Yeah, true story. It's in the credits. What? The? <laughs> That's yeah, great. and it's so funny too because when you see them at the beginning doing that boat scene, those two little kids just have the craziest Jersey accents. Oh yeah, yeah. it's so good. Like. And they don't just don't call it summer camp. Like that's where the, I think that sleepaway camp turns into that term comes from. Like, because I grew up in the Midwest and we didn't call it sleepaway camp. It was just camp. But I think that's kind of a northeastern expression. Sure. That term sleepaway camp. Because they were talking to the in the making of to the actors and Robert Hiltzik himself and and they were saying that we all you know as kids we'd all been to sleepaway camps. Right. So they kept using that term too. So oh. I think that's kind of a northeastern thing. But. Summer camp. Yeah, I never heard, heard. I never heard that term before I saw the DVD. Yeah. Um, I mean, out of that fright pack. There was a lot of great movies. There was Elvira, Killer Tomatoes, you know, and that one movie, Sleepaway Camp, I love the cover. It's just like an yeah. Adidas shoe with a knife going through it. Yep. <laughs> and out of all those movies, I'm like, this is the one, this is the, the shining this star. This is the hidden gem. It's oh, my yeah. bottle of wine that when someone wants to watch something silly with me, that's why I had you come over last week, Tim right, Piles, yeah. and watch it with me. Because I like watching it with other people because I'm laughing all the way through it and I want to see the reactions on their faces. And it's a shocker all the way is. through. It is. And, you know, for only having a few hundred thousand dollars, they pulled in the crew from Creepshow. Like the guys who had just done all the special effects on Creepshow came straight over to Sleepaway Camp, started working on that one. That's why the, you know, the, the quote gore, not that it's really terrible, but it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Isn't you know? Creepshow also done, uh, was worked on by um, Tommy Wallace, the Halloween three? Oh, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Quite possible. Um, and I, tie you know, into the last. And I love that this isn't regarded as some big hit movie from the 80s. You know, it's just kind of this throwaway to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And even to the point that it had lost its steam. And, uh, you know, a lot of those guys, including Jonathan Tierson, had kind of stopped acting. And then, boom, that thing happens in the early 2000s. And it starts coming out in all these different formats. 
and suddenly all the sci-fi and horror conventions are calling those yeah, guys and like we need you now. here yeah. yeah and suddenly they're all back in movies again and they're getting work again and i think that's pretty terrific it's awesome like, even if they're in b-grade horror mil- films who cares yeah they could still act they could do yeah. the thing that they wanted Melissa to do Rose, oh my god she's hotter than ever now she does like 12 shitty horror movies a year <laughs> but at she's least a she's a scream queen yeah she is a current scream scream queen she, and and then like I love that she's getting her props, you know, this later in life. Yeah, All of too. them. And Desiree Gould sat, sadly passed away. I think it was last year, Aunt Martha. And it was in the last couple of years. Did she uh, do anything else? No. I mean, that was kind of her thing. vaguely familiar. You know, the one who really did go off was Christopher Collette, uh, Paul. Because he, he was in, like, uh, Firstborn and the Manhattan Project and Prayer of the Roller Boys. And, like, he actually had these studio films after that. Yeah. So he actually had a little bit of a career. like But a lot of the other ones, like Karen Fields that played Judy and, you know, Jonathan Tiersen and some of those, they kind of faded out pretty quick. That's sad. Yeah, I mean, because they were good. Um, <clears throat> another one of the confounding things about this film that I love is the camp counselors. Because in so many of these movies, be it the Friday the 13th movies where they're just all trying to get laid... Or meatballs, where they're just all trying to get laid. <laughs> you know, this movie is not that. They're not all trying to get laid, except for and, Mel, except for Mel, except for Mel and Meg. Yeah. And if you look at the camp counselors in this movie, be it Ronnie or Susie or Jeff or Eddie or Hal, like every time those guys are Gino that runs Ricky's crew. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. These are awesome camp counselors. Outside of Meg. All of the rest of these are terrific. Uh, I would have loved to have been at a summer camp with those guys, especially Ronnie. Ronnie's just a, he's a positive guy and he's just always. I'm loving that scene when he's in the background just working out. That's one of my favorite camera shots in the whole film is when Ronnie's working out in the background on the hill and in the foreground, we're watching Mel confront Ricky about his <laughs> suspicions that he's yeah. the killer. And in the background, you just see Ronnie back there in his short shorts doing curls. Mm. It's so great. Did you guys ever go to summer camp? I did. Uh, Sleepaway Queen camp? Queen I did like, with, like sixth school. grade camp. Yeah, sixth grade camp. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did Christian camps. <sighs> but they were sleepaways. I mean, we stayed in the building with, you know, we yeah. had our cabins and whatnot. And, you know, it was very Christian oriented. Dude, I always wanted to go to a summer camp. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. You could swim all day and play tennis and hit the cafeteria. And yeah, I enjoyed it. And there would Get be, the, you know, you're young, plus you're young people. I mean, there, 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 there's, you know, you're looking for girls too, and sure, they're looking yeah. for boys, and that's going on Away even from in, your parents. Yeah, maybe even for in the a Christian camp, boys and girls oh, are trying oh, to be the worst. worst. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> the pastor's daughter is always the worst. I mean, come on. Time. You have a great group of, group of great, people behind you. It's a great guy. A great team. Good team. Solid team. You what have a, a manager, and do you have all those things? No. No. Never had a manager. I don't think we're the kind of band that would require a manager. <laughs> I guess I guess Corey would be the closest thing. Sure. Corey is the guy that like, you know, books the hotels and sits on his laptop and I drive and mm-hmm. we play. I mean, thanks to Corey's contributions over the years, he's really elevated San Diego. He's a he's the like the new generation of a Tim Mays for this city and the way he deals with bands, the bands he books. Yeah, and um, he's a sweetheart. Yeah, he's a really he's a sweet great guy. contribution to, to our city from all his years at the Shea Cafe. And obviously Soda Bar. And, and obviously he books all over. I mean, they're doing shows at the Gallagher Square, doing them down at the downtown, all over. Lots of cool stuff. He's there. kind of like my muse for this new Mrs. Magician record. Like, Oh, nice. Uh, I'm like, a lot of the songs are just me envisioning Corey in a situation. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to write about myself. I just want to write about Corey. And even the cover of the record is Corey's face. Nice. Yeah. So you got the artwork ready. Everything's ready. Yeah, it's yeah, it's imagined. It's not done, but yeah, it's an homage to Corey Steer. He's a good man. Yes, I did want to do a quick minute about the soundtrack. Sure. Oh yeah, dude. Because we always Absolutely. talk about the soundtracks on these these. And Frankie Vi- Frankie Vinci is the guy that does Angela's theme, and a couple of variations of it you'll hear throughout no, no, the movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> exactly. Great. It sticks with you. Oh yeah. You hear it at the social. You hear it at the end. Like you hear it a few times throughout the movie. Now. For a movie that is so on point with its fashion and everything, and just the look of it, it screams 80s. Yeah. This is really missing an 80s soundtrack. It's 70s, kind of. The horns and... Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's it's just really missing a few songs. It's mm. that weird time period before, like, New Wave and everything takes right. off. Right, but they just couldn't afford music. They only had a few hundred thousand dollar budget. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, what are the, what are the bands we see in the movie as far as T-shirts and posters? 
because we see a lover boy poster in the girls yeah. in the shower. Eagles? There's a survivor poster. There's no eagles. There's a survivor poster. Um, there's a huge Clash Combat yes. Rock poster in the yes. boys' room. And then on the shirts, we've got Blue Oyster Cult, Asia, and The Doors. So, like, they're almost, like, tempting us with, like, these references. Because I'm like, why couldn't you put some of these songs from these same bands in this movie? Right. Like, we can only afford the shirts. Yeah, because they could only afford that. But I'm thinking to myself, just, just run with me here for a minute. Oh, yeah. If you add Turn Me Loose by Loverboy, Heat of the Moment from Asia, The End from The Doors, how creepy would that have been in there? Oh, you know, throw in Straight to Hell from The Clash, because that's on Combat Rock. Be the first one to use Don't Fear a Reaper from Blue Oyster Cult, because at that point, no one had done it yet. Now, it's been done a dozen times right, right. or more since then. But they could have been the first, because that song was still fairly new then. Uh, I think if you add just those few songs to it, uh, Caught in the Game from Survivor, I think it would have just been... It would have added that extra early 80s part, you know, give oh, it that extra sure. kick. Do you think, so you said there was a Loverboy shirt or poster? There's a poster hanging so right you, next to the shower where Meg's killed at. And you said that Wet Hot American Summer was um, inspired by that movie? They were inspired by the fashion of so, it. But they but they do play that song in, in Wet Hot oh, American sure. Summer. Wet I, American I wonder Summer, they if, had the money to do the soundtrack. But I wonder if that kind of like, they were like, oh, we got to take those... You know, I wonder if they put that turn without me loose the in killing. There. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if they took that the kind fashion of and the music without the killing. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I would have loved to have seen some music like what Hot American Summer did in the sleepaway camp because I it it's, mm. feels so 80s. But I think if you just had a few familiar tracks of those from the early 80s rock tracks, sure. I think it would have gave it that extra zip. Especially something like the end from the doors, if you would have heard that in some creepy moment. The Halloween films or Friday the 13th films have contemporary music in any no. of them? Uh, yeah, ever. Friday the 13th. Did they? Uh, yeah, a lot. They had Alice Cooper. They had, oh, cool. uh, there's, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they had some good stuff I in there. I just don't remember music. Yeah, Al Alice out Cooper did films. like a song called Man Behind the Mask. And in the video, he wears like a Jason mask. And and live, uh, Alice Cooper has Jason come up on stage still to this. Or I don't oh. know if he's playing anymore, but. Oh, you he, know. he is. He's got well, a show he, yeah, with Rob Zombie coming up. I think he has uh, Jason come up on stage for that song. <laughs> That's great. But yeah, you're, you're right. Like those songs do push. Uh, you know, it elevates it a little bit, you know? Yeah, and Could it have... really sets the tone. The music is yeah. great. It's it's kind of the, the orchestral music's kind of over the top, but that's actually kind of why we like it. Yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't have minded some contemporary songs being sprinkled in there because I think it would have really given it that juice. Maybe maybe some young editor out there is listening to this right now yeah. and I'll do a bootleg renegade cut That'd be great. and throw some in there and send it to us because that would be awesome. You know, like a couple years ago, The Outsiders came back out and... Uh, Francis Ford Coppola yeah. put a rock and roll soundtrack to oh. it. And when you watch it, the remix, it feels different, man. It's, it's, a, it's still good, right. but it feels different than the one where he just used the orchestra. Weird. I, I really liked it. And so yeah. I would, I'm okay with people doing those remixes sometimes if it works. Like, Hell yeah. I, would, I wouldn't mind have seen a few of those in this. Clash song in there would be kind of yeah, cool. that would be great. Straight to hell. That would have been perfect. But so this movie cost three hundred thirty-five thousand total to make. Three hundred thirty-five. Three hundred thirty-five. That's altogether. more than Halloween. Yeah, it grosses eleven million, which on the surface isn't a huge hit to people. By the next summer, it took like six months to do right. that. But the opening weekend that it comes out in late '83, it beats Yentl. It beats Amityville 3D, like in its opening weekend. Uh, you know, so I'm like, this movie is. You know, it's not. I don't think people talk about this movie as a hit, and I think. You know, when you make 30 times what you cost to produce it, I think you're a hit. Yeah. I mean, and it's a shame that Robert Hiltzik never went on and did anything else, really. Like, he kind of just became a lawyer. Like, yeah. I mean, he was a smart guy. He went to NYU. Like, Ang Lee was in his film school class. Does like, he look at, at the film like he's proud of it? Or does, yeah. Oh, God. oh, he's oh. very much proud of it. That's and cool. as he should be. I mean, there's a lot of us out who truly, dearly love this film. And... I just, there's always like those movies that I think it takes time for like, like Friday the, or Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which is known as like, I think that they were like, oh, it's the most homoerotic Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I, every time I watched the behind the scenes uh, from the 80s into the 90s, they acted like it was like, oh man, I don't want anything to do with that movie. But now that people have come around to like accept, you know, the, the, the films the way they are, they kind of have a little bit more of a, a, like a different frame of mind. I wonder if that's kind of... Um, I mean, I don't know anything about the director of Sleepaway Camp, but I wonder if that kind of happened for him. If he was like, uh, I don't, that movie, I don't really like to talk about it. And now he kind of celebrates it because 
because society is yeah, kind of in a different changed, place for sure right. yeah well and i think he wanted to make another one does that make sense at all yes. yeah no it does and i think he wanted to make another one and it just wasn't breaking his way the studios weren't coming to him even though he had a hit technically yeah they weren't coming knocking on his door and i think maybe that kind of frustrated him and he just became a lawyer sure. i mean he had a wife he had three kids uh, three daughters i think he had to go make money he had mm. to you know make a life for his family and so that was the moment he gave up on his hollywood dream which makes that 2000s comeback so much sweeter because all these guys got their flowers after the fact. Like, and that's one of those beautiful things about just hanging in there. Yeah. Like Kate Bush and so many of these other ones, you just hang you in know. there and you never know. Somebody uses your song in the right movie or TV show and boom, you're See, off again. So you got that going for you. You never know. What? Oh. Maybe they'll use your song in Sleepaway Camp 7. Hey, <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> But yes, uh, thank you for for blowing my mind and sharing that experience yeah. with me, Graham. Yeah, and, uh, yeah thank, thank you, you for, yeah. for sitting no, in on this. I was gonna us. say thank you for bringing it back because I haven't watched it in so long, and now I want to go watch it again. You oh, know, with just... all with your point of view, I never really thought about it like the the yeah. two killer thing before. I mean, kind of, but not not to the degree that you have. Yeah. You know? Oh, to me, there's just no way the two killer thing applies. Like, there's just no way it isn't possible. I mean, I go back and freeze frame the hands. Yeah, and right down to the end where Mel catches Ricky and confronts him and beats him into submission. And, and Ricky was actually, in the original script, supposed to die there oh. at Mel's hands. But they... Mel just, was supposed to kill him? When he beat him, yeah. When he pulled the 2001 gorillas pounding on his chest and shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to actually kill Ricky. But they, you know, for whatever reason, backed off of that. I'm glad they did. Me too. Mel's a softer character. Yeah, now. he's a dickhead. And, and Ricky's awesome, even if he is a killer and psycho. I still love him. Yeah. And and then, of course, Angela puts the arrow through his throat. And, is and Meg it, over 18? Nah, probably not. Meg, I think Meg is 18. Okay. I think she's Just right 18. at 18. Yeah. But they're in, what is it? It's it, Isn't it like, uh, in Jer they're all Jersey, right? They're all so Jersey kids, but it's in New York. Because oh, okay. it's in Glen Falls, New York, which is north of New York City, more up towards the Catskills, up in that dirty dancing, you know, area. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't... That's what it was. It was a bunch of Jersey kids. It just seems like that's, like, the least of Mel's concerns. Yeah. Her, her age. <laughs> no. And maybe at that time, 17 was still consensual in that state. It's just an amazing little horror film that could... It, I love it that it's a guy who had a vision... And he got his mom's money from a horrible accident. She was accident. a doer, you know. She was a real she was doer. A doer. Yeah. And she passed away in a horrible accident, and he just bet on himself. And that's one thing we kind of love. We love Tom Laughlin doing that with Billy Jack. We love guys that bet on themselves. Yeah. Or women. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things. This is one of those little engines that could. And I, I want more people to see Sleepaway Camp, because I think it's just a... It's just so much fun. I mean, it's a slice of time. I mean, that was real. Now, here on the West Coast, we were wearing OP shorts. Now, OP <laughs> shorts were, you know, more uh, longer. Not quite, like, as long as the Dickies I'm wearing now. But they were not. Jams. I don't ever remember wearing. But I remember, the, the like, the high school gym coach having kind of those types of, you know, those shorts. that Like I have on now? A little bit like that, yeah. 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 But, no. It was a little not more wearing. conservative. Now, I remember yeah. the girls... In our school, dolphin shorts were really popular. They were like little tiny shorts that came up too high. And they actually banned them at one point because the the teenage boys were walking into poles and walls, literally. Yeah. Looking Always at making legs. the girls suffer because of the girl guys' boners. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. I used to wear dickies in gym class. Uh, had a deal with my gym coach where I'd give him Snickers bars and he would let me just wear my Dickies shorts because I didn't want to wear those uh, really, really tight gym shorts. Smugglers. I was a little, yeah, nervous. Felt uncomfortable. Yeah, super uncomfortable. Anything else, Graham? We're good? No, let's do it, man. Let's stick a fork in Camp Arawak. I'm serious. Uh, if somebody wants to buy a, a t-shirt and hat from the camp, where would they do that? They would do that on Etsy. Yeah? You can find everything on Etsy. It's wonderful. <laughs> There's are those new or have you had those? Oh, no, these are new. The I shorts bought these are new. for the podcast. The shorts, the shorts are old. The shorts are old. The, the sh yeah, because I, I had my Ronnie shorts already. Come on, man. Everybody's got <laughs> to have their Ronnie shorts. Can we get you to do some curls while we're doing the podcast? No. <laughs> well, that would mean working out. <laughs> Thank you, Jacob Turnbloom. I know we've talked about some of your stuff, but is there anything we've missed or anything exciting you want to share coming up uh, for 2024? Nope. Not for me. That's easy. <laughs> just look not for that a, album yeah, and, and a, local West Coast shows. Yep. 
Yes. Yeah. And a growing family? I just appreciate it. A growing family. Oh, wait. What? I don't know. I was just Newsflash? That's no, <laughs> not my, that I know of. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, no. That's personal, uh, I guess. We'll wait and see what happens there. But congratulations on your recent nuptials. Oh, thank you very much. You found happiness and create great music. You're you're such a fun part of our community. Uh, so are you. Uh, from everything uh, you've done, you know, I mean, working at M Theory and the amazing bands you've worked with and, and created and the people you've worked with and Thank you for elevating our music community. Oh, thank you very much. I put you right there with, you know, Swami and all these people. Like you're, you're a big deal. I wish, I wish you could take your band out and more across the world and tour hey, maybe, Europe. And, maybe someday. Oh, that's what you were saying. So it'd be like sleepaway camp. Like maybe someday, <laughs> someone will buy our records. <laughs> I believe possible. in you. Hey, that's good. They don't buy your records. I don't. I don't probably, I'm, I'm somebody's buying them somewhere. Yeah. Hell, Mrs. Magician is legendary. How long has Mrs. Magician been a project? Well, we've point? been a band since 2010. Okay. And uh, we put out three records, and we kind of, we just kind of stopped going really hard, like in 2016. And we, I put out a couple records since then on my own, and now we're back at it. Exciting. Yeah. Excited. Good to see you on tour with the Aquabats again. Sure. I'll what else it. could we manifest? Should we manifest anything else while we're here? For uh, Halloween, baby. Yeah. Let's go trick-or-treat, baby. Let's I go. suggest you all watch Sleepaway Camp if you haven't, and hopefully we didn't ruin too much of the big reveal, but that is... Uh, oh, we already ruined it. Yeah. That is, uh, <laughs> we you know, you about, still have to visualize we it. We talked about dicks we, and stuff. Come we on. can't... You know, you got to see it. You really do have to see it. I agree. I think I have to rewatch it because I'm still confused by the boating accident part. Yeah. And it does have a sixth sense vibe there at the end with that reveal where will you, that happens and you're like, oh shit, I got to watch this movie again. Because all the clues are there. I'll tell you, I've seen it a hundred times. They're all there. You just needed to pay attention. You slept on this little throwaway and you should have been paying attention because this was way smarter than it, you know you think. Good stuff. <laughs> We're doers as well. We are Soundcheck Flicks. Thank you, Graham. Thank you, Jacob. Oh, thank you, Always guys. Always a pleasure. Oh, I appreciate and it. Thank you. Happy Halloween. Happy, Happy Halloween. Halloween.